live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Jordy Holberg. I am not the blonde bomber. I'm the man known as the bald bomber. Raymond Parsa III, better known as RP3. Host of RP3 and company. Got some technical issues with our guy the LSU legend. Going to try to get that fixed, but until then, you're stuck with me. Hope you're okay with that. Mesh, the meshinator, the producer extraordinaire, the man with the perfectly coiffed hair, he joins me here in the game studios for the next hour, and then our good friend, Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, will take over if Uncle Jordy is not back up and running how you doing bud unexpected reunion you and i are you prepared for this yeah this was definitely last minute <laughs> <laughs> maybe even you would consider last second <laughs> um i i i say nothing <laughs> there's nothing to say about it that's the thing oh man so uh tell the fine folks what we got lined up today here on the jordy holberg show minus the blonde bomber well, without him, we still have plenty of people. We got plenty of good guests. Yes. We've got at 215 or so, we'll have the voice of Alex Box. We got Bill Franquez. Oh, Bill Franquez. Our at, guy. At 230, our usual fella. He's about 6'10, 6'11. Glenn West talking LSU. At 3 o'clock, we're going to have Ollie Cassell talking about the big Pels win last night. Oh, yeah. Getting excited. Getting excited about that that great victory over the Lakers. Around 315, 320 or so, we're going to have Madeline Adams. It's Mondays with Madeline, of you know. Of course. We always got to have her on. You and know, our, our friend from KLFY. Exactly. And then at 330 or 335 or so, we'll have Blake Rafino. So, ab- about the usual guest list, you would say. Jam-packed edition of the Jordy Holberg show, just minus Jordy Holberg. Exactly. There we go. We're going to do our best. The RP3 and Mesh Show. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, man. You know, these things, they happen. These things, It's live radio, bud. Live radio. It's what happens. So, crazy weekend in sports. We have our final four set now, Meshinator. Of all the talk of upsets in Cinderella teams and chaos and your bracket being busted over and over again, here we sit with one Final Four matchup featuring Duke and North Carolina and the other one Villanova and Kansas. <laughs> so, not a little chalky taste. I get it. UNC was an eight seed. I understand that. I know what they say on the bracket. But the way the Tar Heels played down the stretch and what they did to Duke in Cameron Indoor Arena and what they did in the ACC tournament and what they've done in the NCAA tournament, they're not playing like an eight seed. And so Duke, they're in the final four. Coach K now has been to the final four at Duke 
13 times. That's a new NCAA tournament record. Surpasses John Wooden, the Wizard of Westwood. The Coach K Farewell Tour keeps going. That'll be only slightly nauseating all week. So you got Tobacco Road matchup in one Final Four between the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. By the way, Mesh, they've never faced each other in an NCAA tournament. Yeah, I know. We were, I was talking about that with Foote and Dan McDonald yesterday while I was watching Cajuns baseball. We talked about it. I was like, that's the first time. And then I see it later on Instagram. I'm like, wow. Who would have thought that after all these years? Because it's been about 100 years of this NCAA tournament. You would have thought, you, you thought they would have played each other. At, at least five times. Like, And that's just lowballing it, it feels like. But no, this will be the first time. The very first time. So that's going to be amazing. Plus, look... You have the Tobacco Road rivalry. You have them playing in the tournament for the first time. You have Coach K's farewell tour, right? I mean, that right there is the price of admission by itself, that one Final Four matchup. And look, Carolina ended Cinderella's run, St. Peter's, getting to the Elite Eight. That's the lowest seed ever to advance to the Elite Eight. That sets a new NCAA record. The first 15 seed, the lowest seed ever to make it to the round of eight. So... Great run by the Peacocks, but it's blue blood all the way around, right? And Houston came up on the other side of the bracket, the Cougars. A great three-run stretch here for Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars. Three straight sixteen, uh, sweet 16 appearances, two back-to-back Elite Eight appearances, and a Final Four, right? But they ran into a buzzsaw that is Villanova. Jay Wright's team makes you look ugly. They play an ugly style of basketball. It's not pretty. It can be immensely frustrating. And the Cougs, they just ran into Villanova. This is what Nova does. And quietly, they've been the most under-the-radar team for the NCAA tournament. No one was picking them. They're a contender year in, year out, yet no one was really talking about them. And here they are, once again, back in the Final Four. And it feels like, looking at the Final Four, this is about what you expect every year. You expect to see Duke there. You expect to see Kansas. You expect to see North Carolina because those are all really good basketball schools. So after all, even with all the crazy upsets, it's still landed about where you would expect it to be. A lot of people probably had Duke. I don't think many people had North Carolina. Or if you had them in your bracket, it was probably you had them losing. Probably in the Sweet Sweet 16. 16. Yeah. Uh, Villanova out of that region, not a total surprise. No, but you, you did expect Houston to be there again since they were there last year. You thought they get right. you thought they could make another deep run. The one that is odd now that it stands now that we have our final four set. The one that stands out to me Well, we haven't talked about Kansas at all this year, have we? We haven't. That's that's what's and, weird. And they're a one seed, by the way. They're the only one seed in the final four. Bill Self. Got his team back to a Final Four. They looked vulnerable during the season, but every team did, right? I mean, every team this year. We talked about it. It was wide open. Wide open this year. And the Jayhawks are quietly right there. And here they are. They're the one seed. And with Villanova having a star player now needing surgery, and he's going to be out for the Final Four matchup, I really like Kansas's chances to make it to the title game. I ate are we saying Kansas v. Duke, or are we saying Kansas oh. v. North Carolina? I would rather it be Kansas, North Carolina, personally. Okay. Look, I have no beef with Coach K. I'm not going to be going up 
I'm not going to say anything and expecting Coach K's, you know, wife to come up and slap me in my face on stage at any moment. Shout out to the Oscars. So, by the way, if that was a bigger dude, if that was The Rock cracking a joke, uh, Will Smith ain't doing that. Just, just go ahead and transparency all, all aside. Just let, let's be real for a second. I'm just curious. Do you do you think that was staged, or do you think that was legit? I think it was legit. You think it was? I think I think he was laughing at the joke when it happened. Uh-huh. First, first of all, it was a lame joke. It wasn't even that funny. It's a dated reference from 20 years ago. And everyone was having fun, and Will was laughing, and they cut away back to Rock, and all of a sudden, after Will laughed at the joke, all of a sudden Will's up there, and I think Rock probably thought, oh, he's going to come up here and have some fun with me. We're going to play it along like I just made a joke about his wife. And then it was a real slap. So a switch went off in Will's head that all of a sudden he wanted to really slap. And then when he sat back down, he was really angry when he was dropping F-bombs that was not on the telecast here but was caught on Japanese and Australian TV. Yeah. So do I think he was playing along with it and then and then a switch went off in him? Yes. Uh, do I think Will Smith needs a hug right now? Probably. <laughs> because if you're reacting that way to that kind of stuff, like, come on, bro. Like, like for real? Like – for th- this is where we're at now. Like th- you're going to be mad about that. He Chris Rock didn't even make a joke about the fact that Will and Jada have an open marriage. Like he didn't make a joke about that. He didn't make an August joke. He made a joke about her being having a bald head. She don't even have cancer, bro. And you're going to react that way. Like that's that's why I think I was it like, was. That's why I think it's staged. I think because I, because. Watch how we slapped him. They were saying he punched him, but you could see it. Open it was hand. it was it was an open hand slap. It was open hand, and just the way both of them react and how the motions went, it didn't look natural. And not to mention, how often do you hear about that award show? How often do you hear about the Oscars? The Oscar ratings have been decreasing rapidly for the better part of ten years. So for something like that to happen and get that much media attention, I think that's something that could have been planned ahead to be like, hey. Let's get our let's get the Oscars like at the top of the headlines. Let's get it let's let's make it something that people on Twitter are going to talk about for like the next few days. The the problem uh, it won't be days. It's going to become meme central. Oh, it's already become How meme many central. people you think this morning know that it was just Will slapping Chris Rock and not the fact that Will won the Oscar for best actor for the first time ever. It's ma- it's mainly just the fact that he slapped the There rock, it is. Chris Rock so we, we, so we, so so you lost your composure. Let, let let's say I buy in that it's not staged. You lost your composure, and now your moment of putting in hard work of twenty five to thirty years of becoming a, an established actor, just not a guy on a sitcom and a former rapper, but an actual legitimate box office star, and then a heralded actor like acting, not movie star acting. And you overshadow your own moment because you went up there and slapped somebody. You slapped a comedian over a lame joke. Like real? Like for real? I wouldn't have done it. My my wife looked at me. She goes, "If you would have done some dumb stuff like that, we'd be having. T- I'd be having. I'd be slapping you." <laughs> as soon as you got back to the seat. But like, what are you doing? Like, so I don't. Bizarro moment, but bizarro moment for the Oscars, and it was a weird night. With once again, they keep doing this thing where every every film gets at least one win. Now this is what we do year after year. Like everyone, everyone gets to sit at the table. Yeah. It's very watered down at this point. Yeah, when it comes to it's awards, been that way. it's been that way. I don't like it. It's been that way. 
But back to the final four. I we we digress. Who do you like? Because you got Duke, North Carolina, and oh, I was gonna. I I, I just want the Coach K farewell tour to end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I don't want the storybook ending. I don't want him to go out. Look, I, I, he's a great coach, a legendary coach, an icon. Okay, he he he's already had his his flowers. Okay, multiple times, once over. I, like this whole thing of people, are, you know, it'd be great if he won. Really? Coach K and that team is no more deserving than North Carolina or Villanova or Kansas. They're just not. Just because a guy's retiring doesn't make them more deserving. So stop with that narrative. And they, they I, just, I'm, I'm they tired always, of K. I'm tired of K. Just like I was tired of Roy Williams. It's time. Go. Go. Bye. Bye. I, I don't have a, 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 a interest in either. I'm just tired of every national media person that covers sports tripping over themselves and wanting to trample each other like it's Target on Black Friday to pat Coach K on the back for a job well done for a great career. Like, like, stop it. Can we stop with all that? Can we just say, man was a great coach. Legendary coach, iconic coach. Great run. Awesome. Okay, can we just focus on the game? But we're not going to do that. I was going to say, it's hard for people to do that because they always want to have the idea that they see a big sports icon like how Peyton Manning did right off into the sunset with a win. People just want to see that always happen, and it's not very often that it happens. For me personally... Peyton was also benched that year because he couldn't throw an out route more than 10 yards. And he also only threw for like 100 yards in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> the defense won the Super Bowl. It was definitely the Super Bowl. The yes. defense won the Super Bowl. But yes, he his last game was a championship, yes. I, I get it. Yes, get and it. for me, I don't really care about either of these teams. I don't personally care who wins. To me... I don't either. I just, I, I, I just want good games. That's all I want. I just I want told, good games to be entertained. I even told Miguez, I said, I get so confused about these teams t- sometimes because they're all within the same area and they all have letters as their name and they're all shades of blue. <laughs> so it's <laughs> so for me, the only thing missing is Kentucky. Exactly. Exactly. And they're already gone. <laughs> they're already gone. They're already gone. And that, that's what I was telling. I was like, I mean, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas. Kentucky and even Villanova, even though Villanova is a much darker shade of blue, they're all like kind of lightish blue. Yes. So it's kind of hard for me to differentiate who's with who sometimes. <laughs> so I'm like, I it's all it's all just a vague area of basketball. Oh. I know they're all good, so therefore I don't really have a favor on who I would rather win. If anything, I guess I would just pick North Carolina since they are the they are the technically lower seed, even though they're just as good, if not better, than Duke, Villanova, or Kansas. I agree. I agree. You want to talk Final Four? You want to talk LSU baseball getting back on track after a big weekend where they explode for 20-plus runs in the final two games? What about Raging Cajuns baseball? They needed that series victory over South Alabama Jaguars, the arch rival. They take two of three for them. Raging Cajuns softball team just absolutely crushed the face of UTA. Those games didn't go more than six innings over the weekend. You want to talk McNeese baseball avoiding being swept by the fighting Lance Berkmans? we be more than happy to hear from you here on the Jordy Holberg Show. Give us a call on the hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You know Jordy's a man of the people, so give us a call. I'm RP3, filling in for Uncle Jordy. He's the machinator, the producer extraordinaire. More of the Jordy Holberg Show coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station wants to give you a chance to score the ultimate crawfish boil brought to you by Jane Jakes, terminating Kramer Equipment and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumbler, chairs, and on top of it, $500 Visa gift card. That's going to get you a lot of the stuff to make all the sauce for the, for the dipping sauce that you need for the boiled crawfish. But we're not done. On top of all of that, we're going to give you tickets to an Astros game. <laughs> what? That's right. That's the ultimate crawfish boil. Sign up today for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score the ultimate crawfish boil from J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Oh, man. LSU baseball. They needed that in a big way over the weekend. After dropping game one, they come back and just crush the faces of the Florida Gators in games two and three to win the series against the number nine ranked team in the country. And to break it all down for us is the man who's the voice of LSU baseball, longtime sports information director, one of the best guys in the business, one and only Bill Frank has. Bill, good afternoon, sir. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm glad to hear from you guys over in my hometown of Lafayette. It's always a pleasure to... Uh... To speak to the, to, the, to all of you, and uh, look, we had a, got back from Gainesville last night, and after a very productive weekend uh, for, for the Tigers, and one like just as you said, Raymond, one that uh, LSU really needed, uh, especially after Friday night. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, honestly, we were all a little discouraged, but man, the team decided to, that uh, they were going to take it anymore, basically, and they came out with a very aggressive, competitive mindset, and uh, it, it's something that Coach Johnson had been trying to. To, uh, to, to to instigate within the team uh, all year long, and it finally came to fruition on Saturday and Sunday. And we just hope it, it stays that way. He, as Coach Jay says, it's just a, a matter of every day recommitting to that competitive attitude and to that that aggressiveness and, and attacking the baseball and uh, controlling the strike zone is the way he puts it. So, just an, a daily commitment to that. And he said, if, if, if our team can continue to do that then it has a chance to accomplish a whole lot this year. So we hope that that's what happens. What was the big difference from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, the loss to Texas A&M, the loss to Louisiana Tech in the midweek game, and then they open up with a, a loss to Florida on Friday. What was the difference between that those LSU teams that we saw and the guys that we saw line up and take the field Saturday, Sunday? You know, I, I noticed one thing that we really noticed, Raymond, was just a whole a different type of energy in the dugout on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, the, the team, the whole team, was constantly up on the on the dugout railing, uh, cheering each other on, encouraging each other. Uh, I mean, I know that's a that's something. I mean, aside from the game itself, but to me, that sort of set the tone. That and Jay even referenced it after the game yesterday. He said the dugout really made a difference. Like our, our guys really uh, seemed to come together in, in support of one another. They realized they had a big challenge, especially after Friday, after Friday night against one of the top programs in the country. And I think Jay, maybe after the game Friday, he, he challenged the team a little bit by saying, look, right now LSU is a middle-tier SEC program, and Florida is a top-tier SEC program. 
we want to be where, where they are. So I think, in, in a way, uh, uh, the, the players are they're you know obviously all prideful young men as as, as student athletes are, and I think they they accepted the challenge that that they need to to rise to a different level of play in order to compete with the Floridas and the Vanderbilts and the Tennessees of of the SEC. So. I think emotionally there, there was definitely a big difference. Then I think uh, from a physical standpoint, as I, as I said earlier, just attacking the strike zone, being more aggressive at the plate, uh, not swinging at so many balls. Uh, Jay really said that, that he, he felt like in studying the team on film last year, last year's team, that they really suffered from that. It's just not, not controlling the strike zone, allowing the pitcher to expand the zone to the detriment of the hitter. And he felt like they were much more in control of the zone on Saturday and Sunday, attacked the pitching, and that made, that made a big difference. And also, of course, the, of course, I think it's, the biggest issue so far of the season for this team, as most people know, has been the defensive issues. And LSU, except for one uh, error uh, yesterday, for the most part, has played excellent defense. And we made a switch uh, Kay Doty, who has been the second baseman, moved to shortstop. Jordan Thompson, who has been the shortstop, moved to second base. And Jay feels like that's going to really shore up our infield defense as well. So we hopefully that will continue also. Bill, I want to elaborate on that because he he did tweak the defense, which has been a little bit of an issue so far in the early part of this season. And, and for the, the novice, you look at that, you're like, okay, well, uh, if you can play short, then you can easily play second and vice versa. You're playing the middle of the infield, but it's not quite that simple. Why do you think that change made such a big difference? Well, the way he puts it, he feels like moving Jordan from shortstop to second base because of the, I guess, more because of the temperament of Jordan. I mean, he's a high energy type of player. Him playing at second base slows the game down a little bit for him, helps him relax a little bit more. And whereas Cade is a little more even-tempered, unflappable, and Cade is such a great all-around athlete uh, that can play anywhere. So I think it's it's very easy for him to adapt to a new position, as difficult as playing shortstop is for a guy like Cade Doty. Because of his athleticism, he can make that adjustment easily. Whereas Jordan Thompson, you know, Jordan has very good range. He has a tremendous throwing arm. When he gets into trouble sometimes is with his footwork and, and fielding the ball properly, setting his feet properly before making the throw. And I, I think Jay feels like at second base, maybe there's not as much pressure on him. Uh, he, uh, LSU employed a shift uh, quite often against the Florida lefty hitters yesterday that had Jordan playing, or yesterday and, and Saturday, that had Jordan playing basically a shallow right field. And because of the strength of his throwing arm, he's able to make those throws from the grass of the outfield when he has to on hard hit ground balls. So I, I think all of those reasons uh, factor into it. They'd actually looked at it uh, in the fall. In fact, when the Cajuns uh, played uh, LSU in a scrimmage in the fall, they tried it a little bit. Jordan at second base, uh, Jordan at second, and Cade at short. And Jay said at the time he just didn't like the way it looked. It didn't. They didn't look comfortable. But he said they did it a little bit in the fall in the spring scrimmages, and then. You know, thought about it some more, and then finally decided, look, we have to do something because our defense is really hurting us. And you know, it worked. It worked for two games. <laughs> there are a lot more games to play, but hopefully, it will continue to work. We're talking about Bill Frank as the voice of LSU baseball. He joins us here on the Jordy Holberg Show on the game, one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Bill, I'll get you out of here with this. 
a midweek game against ULM there at the box Tuesday yep. night. We'll have that game live right here on the game. And then a three-game series against Auburn. What are you looking, or rather, what is uh, new skipper Jay Johnson looking for from his team? Is it just more consistent, high-energy play for the midweek game as well as the weekend series? Uh, I think you're exactly right, Raymond. You know, he spoke to our local media here earlier today. And he, he says, I consider every game a playoff game. Yeah, the midweek games, the SEC games, to me, they're all playoff games because they all have great meaning. They all affect your uh, RPI. They all affect your ability to contend for an NCAA regional berth or your ability to perhaps be in the consideration for a, a, a national seed or a host site. So, yeah, he puts a lot of emphasis on these midweek games. In fact, he even said, because you know, the media asked him about you know, what a great accomplishment it was to win two out of three at Florida. He said, yeah, it's great, and we, we, you know, we relished it, we celebrated yesterday, but now there's no time to, to, to uh, enjoy it. We have another game tomorrow night, and it doesn't matter who the opponent is. To him, it's, it's a playoff game, and it's a game of significance. So, yeah, again, it's about recommitting uh, to that competitive, positive mindset and hopefully continuing it through uh, tomorrow night against uh, UL Monroe. And then, then an even shorter turnaround because our SEC weekend starts Thursday. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series with Auburn this weekend. Auburn's coming off beating Texas A&M two out of three last weekend in Bryan College Station. So, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, like Jay said, man, it's a, <laughs> it's a daily grind. And uh, that, that makes that's what makes baseball unique. Bill, always appreciate your time. Uh, keep up the tremendous work that you do, everything with the SID office and on the radio and just helping out folks over there at Alex Box. Appreciate your time, brother. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you all so much. Look forward to it. Absolutely. One of the best guys in the business. A guy that will give you the shirt off his back to help you out, whether you're print media, website, radio, does not matter. Bill's one of the best guys. Appreciate his time breaking down LSU baseball. Big series win over the weekend, but you heard it in Bill's voice and you heard what Jay Johnson, he said what Jay had said. They want to see this build some momentum here and they're going to welcome in an Auburn team this coming weekend that just took two or three from Texas A&M, a team that just beat LSU. So still work to be done, but maybe the Tigers have turned a corner and starting getting things together, playing more consistent baseball. We got to take a timeout. When we return here, though, we're going to talk more LSU. Glenn West, the big fella, will join us. We'll talk LSU hoops. Lots of defections, guys entering the transfer portal, others deciding to go pro, enter into the NBA draft. Where does the men's basketball team go from here? And also some football talk as well. Spring football in high gear over in Baton Rouge. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Jordy Holberg with the Bald Bomber, guest host extraordinaire, RP3. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to the sandy beaches of Gulf Shores, Alabama. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, Megan Thee Stallion, Doja Cat, just to name a few. You know who's going to be there? 
Glenn West, he goes every year. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to May 22nd in lovely Gulf Shores, Alabama. Win VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Speaking of Glenn West, not only is he an award-winning reporter covering LSU for Sports Illustrated, he's also a man that is known to play some pickup basketball games and schooling the youngsters. He's also huge Hangout Music Fest fan he joins us now to talk lsu football glenn good afternoon brother how you doing hey raymond i'm doing good i don't know what hangout is though. i've never been oh bud come on i could have oh. sworn i could have sworn there was a glenn west instagram page just for the hangout music fest um, no no that 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 stuff frightens me too much i, I, I can't deal with those crowds <laughs> the, the crowds the crowds freak you out i got you bud i got you um all right so Let's talk a little bit uh, about LSU football. Spring is here, obviously, and they're going through uh, practices. Uh, open competition at quarterback. What can you tell us where the Tigers stand there with the multiple guys out there trying to win the starting job for Brian Kelly? Yeah, I mean, they look good. Uh, I, I would say probably the, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be an edge given to any of these guys over the first couple weeks. They, they're going to go through equal reps, I would imagine, um, for the first few weeks of, of spring ball. But, um, you know, I think this is definitely going to be kind of a feeling out process for this staff. You know, one of the big takeaways I had coming away from the first couple days was just how intense this coaching staff is, you know, how, you know, energetic and uh, how, how much they get on these players and uh, the players really feed off that. And that certainly is the case with the quarterback situation. Uh, new quarterbacks coach, Joe Sloan is, is such a very enthusiastic guy. Uh, definitely gets after the players, definitely wants things done a certain way. And, uh, I think you're you're seeing that here in the first couple of days of spring practice. You know, Miles Brennan looks really good. Uh, we actually got a chance to talk to Miles over the weekend, and we got a chance to see his his arm, and he's got a, a nasty scar from that broken arm he had last year uh, from the surgery. And uh, he just talked about wanting to stay healthy, wanting to be uh, as competitive for this job as possible, while also helping some of the younger guys out. You know, this is still a a very young you know quarterback room with Walker Howard and Garrett Nussmeyer in there, and so. Uh, I think all these guys are getting equal reps. They're getting good looks, and uh, we'll see which one of them stands out you know, throughout the rest of spring camp. The quarterbacks all have different skill sets, right? Walker Howard, who I've seen play at STM, you know that was a prize recruit for Brian Kelly. Uh, Nussmeyer is a different guy. He can make plays with his his feet. Miles Brennan is the 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 veteran, the salty veteran who's trying to overcome injuries, more of a pocket passer, a little bit of a lean build, and then you got the transfer coming in from Arizona State that can do it all. What is Brian Kelly looking for in his quarterback? Yeah, I, I think kind of history would tell you that Kelly and offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock, they do like to have the, one of those more mobile quarterbacks, you know, a guy that can extend plays with his legs and kind of get downfield, uh, which certainly would fit the mold of a Jaden Daniels. Um, but uh, but also at the same time, you know, they, they, they want a guy who's going to be able to spread the ball around. This is you know, We heard the same thing last year. We heard it the year before, and – uh, the, really the crux of this offense, I think, is going to try to get these athletes out in space, get them the ball quickly, and let them make plays. And um, I think that's just going to be kind of the focus here for this offense. And so in order to do that, you have to have a quarterback who's not only mobile enough, but is able to read defenses pretty quickly, which would lead you to believe that uh, certainly a veteran presence back there would be something you're looking for. Um I, th I think Howard you know, is, is certainly a fantastic quarterback and one for the future, but 
Uh, I, I do think that Kelly is really kind of honing in on these other three guys and just uh, how just 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 some of the experience levels that they have. Obviously, Daniels with over 40, you know, nearly 40 games of experience in his college career. Uh, certainly a lot to like there. And I think a big reason why they brought uh, Jade Daniels from Arizona State was because they saw some untapped potential in him. Uh, they think he can have some kind of impact on this offense with the right weapons around him. And uh, he's going to be one of those players. It's just going to be impossible not to follow uh, over the next couple of weeks. Offensive line loses a lot of guys that, you know, we're trying to get into the National Football League through the draft process. But the offensive line wasn't very good the last couple of years. So where do we stand with the O-line in the spring? And that is a Brian Kelly specialty. He knows how to develop his offensive line. Yeah, it, it certainly is, and I think that's the reason why they they, they went out and, and brought in a couple transfers, uh, Miles Frazier, uh, Tremont Shorts. Um, those are two guys that uh, really the first couple of days were rotating a lot with the first you know, two teams. You know, they, they were in there a lot, getting a lot of the rotations at uh, at the guard spot and one of the tackle spots. And so uh, it, they, 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 what they have here, I think, is a really nice mix of newcomers, and also some really talented returners and also some really young freshmen who are trying to break their way into to, to this rotation. I think Will Campbell is a name that Brian Kelly kind of mentioned to us over the weekend, who he's really impressed by. Uh, got on campus in January and has really molded his body well over the last couple of months in the workout room and has really impressed this coaching staff. But uh, you're right, this is going to be a complete rebuild for this O-line. And so um, first impressions mean a lot. Um, obviously, I think that's going to be really interesting to see uh, which one of these guys, which which handful of these guys are able to really step up. But uh, they're also not done yet. You know, he, Kelly was also very quick to mention in our presser last week with him that they're still looking for an offensive lineman. They're still recruiting a couple of guys out there in the portal very hard and would love to bring them in. So uh, it certainly sounds like this 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 O-line competition is something that will extend uh, really throughout the entire offseason. Talking with Glenn West, he covers LSU for SI now. He joins us here on the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. What's the latest status on Kayshawn Butte, the former Westgate High and star wide receiver who we found out last week needed another surgery? Yeah, so that was one of probably the most surprising answer of the day, and it was also the last question of the day, so I'm glad we got it in. But, uh, yeah, Kayshawn had a second surgery on that ankle. Doesn't sound like he's going to be able to participate in much or any of spring ball this this month. And uh, one of, it was really an interesting answer, just not only just from the fact that we learned that uh, he is having a second surgery, but that the relationship-building process is really just getting started with him and Brian Kelly. Um, you know, he's one of their most talented players and uh, you would like to, uh, you'd hope that that relationship would start building very quickly, but obviously there were all those rumors of Butte maybe going to Alabama and LSU kind of having to come in last minute and, and throw a bunch of money at him to get him to stay. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that relationship develops. And it sounds like since he's had that second surgery, he wasn't around the team a whole lot, which um, if you've you know listened to any of Brian Kelly's conversations, you know, being bought in and being uh, involved with everything around the program is very important to him. So I think that's a feeling out process. Those two are certainly going through and um, obviously they need Kayshawn badly on this team. They need him to be the kind of superstar receiver that, they, that he was. Uh, two years ago as a freshman, last year as a sophomore before he got hurt. And uh, I think that there's uh, certainly a lot of room you know, there for them to grow their relationship and see uh, obviously where, where it takes them from here. 
Glenn, uh, who's the front runner right now to become the number one tailback in this offense? Um, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I think John Emery is certainly a name that you have to throw out there. Um, he, he's really sounds like he's really locked in with his studies right now. Obviously, he was suspended all last year because of his academic ineligibility. But uh, since Kelly got on board, it really sounds like he's uh, really approached this season in a much more professional and a much more uh, different manner. Kelly mentioned he was one of the players that has really kind of exceeded his expectations so far since getting on campus. And so um, Emery is an extremely talented player. And we, we, what we saw the first couple days, he looks like he's he's bigger, he's stronger, he's more agile. It, he looks like a, a really, really, really solid tailback option for them. Um, if he can get his academics under control, if he can learn this offense quickly, um, obviously you're going to still rely on Corey Kiner and Armani Goodwin, the two freshmen you brought in last year. I think those guys are definitely going to see uh, many more touches and, and certainly uh, push for some playing time. But um, I, I think they really like Emory, man, and it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how he's able to handle some of the um, you know, distractions that have certainly pop, popped up on him. And, and certainly uh, he's got to keep up with the academic side of things to, to, to really win that job. Wrapping up our conversation here with SI Now's Glenn West. He joins us on the Jordy Holberg Show with guest host, the bald bomber, RP3. All right, bud, I want to ask you about basketball because we knew there was going to be an exodus, uh, exodus because Will Wade was fired and they brought in a new coach, even though the new coach said his priority is trying to recruit his own guys to stay. The backcourt, the starting backcourt is gone. They're in the, to the NCAA transfer portal. And Eason, who is arguably probably their best player, has opted to enter the NBA draft process. He may even be a lottery pick. And we've had a slew of guys decommit from the Tigers. How much of a challenge is this going to be for the new man in charge of the LSU men's basketball program? It's going to be a, a severe challenge in the early goings here. I wouldn't imagine it's very uh, likely that LSU holds on to many, if any, of their current roster. And obviously, you just mentioned they're starting to see it right now with a lot of the decommitments, a lot of the guys entering the portal. Um, but but Coach McMahon, really, when we talked to him last week, wasn't really concerned about that. He's he's really looking to build uh, a program that that evolved around evolves around players who want to be here, guys who want to you know kind of embrace the messiness. I think for the first couple of years, that's going to be something that uh, is really important to him to really kind of establish a strong foundation for this program. And um, look, a couple of those guys that entered the portal certainly in their posts said that they're going to keep LSU on their radar. They're going to certainly listen to them. I think they all enjoyed their experience here last year and. Um, we'll see if that if that's enough to kind of maybe lure them back. But Coach McMahon is a strong recruiter, and he actually uh, just recently brought in an assistant coach from Memphis, uh, Toppert, who's really really solid at, in the recruiting grounds. You know, Memphis is obviously really kind of broken onto the scene of these last couple of years with Penny Hardaway, and they've done a really nice job of bringing in some really talented players. And so, um, the, the transfer portal is going to be key, I think, for LSU here. Um, you're going to have to really d dive into that and, and really find some hidden gems if you want to stay afloat here in the conference. But there's no doubt it's going to be really, really tough on on McMahon the first couple of years, which is why uh, he was signed to such a long term deal, because, you know, with the understanding that the first couple of years could get pretty rough. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this. Um, if someone got on stage and uh, slapped you across your face, how would you react? Would you react with a joke? 
Or would you react by picking that person up and crushing them into two? Uh, to be honest, I would probably be a little stunned. Uh, I wouldn't really know how to react to something like that. I would have to imagine it's a lot like what Chris Rock did last night. Uh, you know, just kind of sitting there with a little bit of a stunned expression on his face. So I'm going to tell uh, you something imagine. right now, Glenn. I'm going to tell you, I'm just, I hate to interrupt. Go for it. Uh, I guarantee you, if uh, Chris Rock was your height, six foot ten, and built like you, there'd be no slapping on the stage happening. I can guarantee you that. That was not going to be happening last yeah. night at the Oscars. I hope not. I hope not. I hope I'd never be in that position. So um, hopefully I, that's something I never have to worry about. But man, I was up till late last night, as I'm sure everybody else was, you know, scrolling through social media. It was an absolutely legendary night for Twitter and one that I won't soon forget. Yeah, bud. And look, I will not be offended. You don't have to worry about my significant other, my wife, Tina, coming up and slapping you if you ever make a joke about me being bald. So just rest <laughs> rest easy, bud. Okay? Okay. All right. We'll do. I appreciate it. Yeah. Glenn, appreciate your time, bud. Keep up the tremendous work, brother. All right. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Or Raymond. Sorry, Raymond. <laughs> It's okay. I'm not going to slap you because of it. Uh, yeah, just, just yeah. There we go. There's it. a perfect one. Go right through the radio and smack me across the face for that one. We had no problems. Glenn, appreciate you, Dave. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, Raymond. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you right now. If you're built like Glenn West, ain't nobody coming up and slapping you like that. No, no. There'll be none of that. There'll be none of that. We got to take a timeout. You're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show with guest hosts, the Bald Bomber. RP3. We'll wrap up our number one. We're going to talk a little Saints. They're bringing the band back together. Why? We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? You just wash your hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, do you want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet? The world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April 5th, and you can see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is giving away a four-pack of tickets to see the family-friendly show. How do you win? Simply text TROTTER to 68683 to win tickets to see the Globetrotters inside the Cajun Dome. Once again, text TROTTER, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683 to win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I already got my tickets. Baby girl and I are going to be headed over to the Cajun Dome. She loves watching the Globetrotters. Talk to LSU football. Talk to LSU baseball. Talk the Final Four. Let's talk a little Saints here while we have a few minutes before we close out hour number one of the Jordy Holberg Show. The Saints are in love with their 2021 football team, James Mesh. They're in love with them. They're in love with them. Why do I say that? Because the defensive coordinator, even though you could have hired multiple other people, you decide to promote from within. Great. Then you interview multiple candidates to be the OC. You decide to promote from within. You decide to promote from within a defensive coordinator. You decide to bring back Jameis Winston as your quarterback. And now the news is, Traquan, I love dropping wide open 50-yard passes. Smith, but I run block, so the coaches love me. 
has been brought back on a team-friendly two-year deal. Is this really the band you want to bring back together again? Really? They're not making a single move. They're they're signing Sorensen from the Chiefs, uh, a backup safety, essentially. They're signing an injury and DUI safety from the, the Jets. They're not making any moves, James. They're not making any moves. And they got all this salary cap space. Traquan Smith. If you're a Saints fan right now, are you excited about Traquan Smith coming back? Not really, but to be fair, they were five and two before Jameis went down. And so you bring back the band where it was a really good it was a pretty good record to start off, and then you add Michael Thomas. Theoretically, you would hope You still need another number two. None of those guys are are, are, are a number two on this team. I I completely agree. So maybe there's still moves to be made. Maybe they draft a guy. Maybe they trade for somebody. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We got to take a timeout. Hour number one in the books. I'm going to hand off the baton to Matt Miguez, who's going to take over guest hosting for Jordy Holberg. That's next, right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live and local, this is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Uh, Not quite. Welcome to hour number two of the Jordy Holtberg Show right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here. And and I know what you're thinking. No, it's not crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. That'll be from four to six. I'm here with you for the next three hours, James and I. We're going to kick off hour number two talking about the Pels and their dominant, massive win over the Lakers last night. Down 23 at one point come back to win to nearly lock up their spot in the play-in tournament. Here to talk about it all is the editor of the Bird Rights, Mr. Ali Cassell. Ali, good afternoon, my man. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Um, as you just alluded to the fact, the Pelicans got at least one gigantic win over the weekend, something they needed to have. So, of course, being the Lakers, everybody's smiling today. Yeah, you know, a three-game homestand and, and you take two out of three and and – the the one game that you lose, you're fairly competitive. Final score was 107 to 103. But you know, last night LeBron scores 39 for the Lakers, but it just didn't seem to be enough. What what went the Pelicans' way last night? Yeah, so they made some adjustments at halftime. You know, they were trailing by 20, and little was working. Right, LeBron had 25 points in that first half, and Lakers were shooting lights out. They made two thirds of their shot attempts. So they had, of course, corral that, and they did. Pelicans, like I said, changed it up. Willie Green um, changed the way they were specifically guarding LeBron James, making sure that Herb Jones was always on him and or Najee Marshall. So they always had two guys glued to him, and that basically forced all the rest of the Lakers to beat him, and that's something they've had trouble doing this season when Anthony Davis has been out of the lineup. So they proved to be uh, not up to the task, and the Pelicans really – just dominated in that second half, right? They found their offense, um, and Trey Murphy was the biggest reason why. Coming off the bench to score 21 points in that second half, 
and a lot of other guys contributed, but that was the defense. Uh, they just completely, like I said, turned that 23-point deficit into an eight-point victory. It was great stuff. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the, the dominance in the second half, the Pelicans outscoring the Lakers 67-39 to in, in the second half. LeBron, again, 39, Russell Westbrook with 18, Malik Monk pouring in 23 off the bench. But the story for the Pelicans was the performance of Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas, 26-7-5 for Ingram, 19-12-3 for Valanciunas. How important, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, we talked about it the other day on on our show, Crunch Time with me guys and Mesh, the importance of, of Valanciunas down the stretch. Yeah, so first off, Brandon Ingram, he came out, um, and the whole Pelicans did a little bit unsteady in that game, but then they found their footing. Both CJ and B.I. got the scoring going. And then out of halftime, when the Pelicans made their big charge, B.I. got in a really good rhythm. Um, and that really, I think, spurred the rest of the team on. They kind of climbed on his shoulders because then Valanciunas was finding good looks because the uh, Lakers had to be worried about B.I. in a perimeter. So he was usually then just getting matched up and, if it, Dwight Howard especially wasn't in the game, he was able to overpower whoever was on him, whether it was William Gabriel, even LeBron James sometimes. So Jonas smartly right attacked when he had the ball in good position somewhere close to the rim. So that really helped. But like I said, Trey Murphy, I don't think the Pelicans even come close to coming back in that game if it wasn't for him. I mean, look, when they made their run, um, they were still trailing about by 19, I want to say four minutes into that third quarter, and they were both teams were exchanging right points. But then Trey came in and just hit three threes, had that monster put-back dunk. And that's really what I think just got the entire crowd into it and all the momentum the rest of the way stayed with the Pelicans. Chatting with Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights. You know, you mentioned Trey Murphy, 21 points, 7 of 12 shooting, 4 of 7 from the three-point line. How important is it to get a guy like that off the bench who's known to be a good shooter? How important is it to get that guy going down the stretch to make a push at the playoffs? Oh, it's huge for the Pelicans because that's one thing that they're not strong in is three-point shooting. And oftentimes that's led to some losses earlier in the season. There's not too many good shooters on this team. So when the Pelicans drafted Trey Murphy, that was specifically the goal in mind, right? Let's get a knockdown shooter. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to crack Willie Green's rotation. And, you know, it was a combination of lack of confidence, not really just understanding, right, of all the schemes that were required, especially defensively. So he was lost out there first six, seven, eight weeks of the season, so he dropped out of the rotation. But he has figured things out. He has spent time with the uh, G League team in Birmingham, and ever since the start of this month, he's been back in the regular rotation. He's been lights out from the bench. You know, he's shooting almost 50% from three uh, for the month of March, and really that's exactly, like I said, what the Pelicans have needed all season, just somebody that can consistently stretch the floor, and knock down those three big three-point baskets to open up the lane, right, for Valanciunas, B.I., and everybody else that likes to attack the rim. Talking about Devontae Graham, you know, he he's usually been a, a staple in the lineup. Only played 17 minutes last night, one of six from the field. Was that a was that a matchup decision by, by Willie Green, or is there an injury for Devontae Graham? No, that was matchup-based yesterday. The Pelicans wanted to have a lot of length on the wings because of LeBron James. So there oftentimes it was a combination of Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, and Trey Murphy out there. And usually there was three of them for the rest of the second half on the court at all times. 
So that limited uh, both Devontae Graham and uh, Jose Alvarado to less than five minutes in that second half. So that was clearly, like I said, matchup-based. But Devontae, you know, he's been struggling. So he's not a guaranteed, you know, anymore, say, the 28- to 30-minute ballpark. If his shot's off, you know, it's tough to play him because there's a lot of other guys on this roster Willie Green can turn to, like Jose Alvarado, who honestly at least will give you the defense, right? His defense can often, you know, change the momentum of the game when he comes up with some of those incredible steals that he gets. So, yeah, Devontae, he's not – I mean, he's a little banged up, and he has missed a couple of games to injury, right? I know he's dealing with a hip and an ankle, but specifically for last game, last night's game, no. It was just like like you said, matchup-based. Chatting with Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights. You mentioned Jose Alvarado. He he's been he's been pretty consistent for the Pels, and and today he got or late last night actually he got rewarded for that a four year six and a half million dollar deal for the two way undrafted guard. How important or or how great of a you know turnaround story has Jose Alvarado been coming from undrafted to a two way player to now getting a long term deal? What you just said rarely ever happens, right? <laughs> Players that go undrafted really have to swim upstream just to make a roster. And that was kind of the case with Jose. Even though everybody knew he could play, people weren't certain of his shot. And so he didn't even get drafted, had to prove himself. And, you know, ever since he earned that two-way contract with the Pelicans, that's all he's been doing. You know, he showed he can do something in summer league. And then ever since then, he's been showing it in practices to where he finally cracked the rotation for Willie Green. And now suddenly... Some games, he's honestly one of the guys that helps you win, right? He's one of the go-to guys, uh, whether it's with points or the defense or just playmaking, because he, he's not only – everybody knows him for a grand theft Alvarado, right, all the steals that he comes up with. Mm-hmm. But he's also a very um, smart playmaker. He doesn't turn the ball over very much. And he's really the only floor general that the Pelicans truly have, right? C.J. McCollum's more of a combo guard. B.I. has the ball a lot, but we know he's not a point guard. And Devontae Graham – He's a scoring, score first type of mentality. So, Jose brings provides a lot, and he has shown that he can play on this level and, and hit the shot. So, it's great to see that he got rewarded with his contract. And, and honestly, on paper, it looks like a steal. I mean, this guy, the advanced numbers say he's great. He's a big positive difference maker. We see it with our own eyes. So, for it just to cost the Pels, you know, just you know, what was it? Would you say four years and, and about around seven million dollars? You don't get bargains like that, and that's what he is because he, he's a great player. Honestly, he's a good, valuable piece on a good team. Yeah, four years, six and a half, three point four million guaranteed. He will get a million and a half for the rest of this season on top of the eight hundred k that he has already made here in the twenty twenty two season. Ali Larry Nance Jr. popped up on the injury report today. Uh, he's listed as as day to day. What can you tell us? Yeah, with Larry, it's just maintenance. They didn't want to push him uh, too much too fast and coming back from uh, arthroscopic surgery on his knee. So going back-to-back was never even an option. That's the reason why he sat the Lakers game. And he's, he's honestly probably going to – his minutes are going to be monitored for the rest of the year, right? So that's why, you know, honestly we should expect him to play about 20 minutes a game here on out. And the Pelicans only have one more back-to-back. Uh, and that's going to be the last two games of the season, August 9th and 10th, when they face the Grizzlies and the Warriors. We'll see whether he'll be allowed by then to play in back-to-backs. Four-game road trip from now until next Tuesday for the Pels. They go to Portland. They spend the weekend in L.A. before going up north to Sacramento. You know, talking. Let's start with the Portland game. 
what kind of reunion, what kind of reaction do you think the C.J. McCollum will get from the Portland fans? Probably a standing ovation for 10 minutes, and you know they're going to play a tribute video. I mean, look, he was beloved. That's not a secret. Everybody knows, aside Damian Lillard, um, that C.J. McCollum might be the second most favorite uh, uh, or excuse me, Trailblazers player for Portland fans of all time. Uh, so he has meant that much to their community. I mean, almost playing up there for 10 years and, you know, doing so much community work, investing in the community, right? He just recently bought himself a vineyard up there, and I know he's involved in a lot of other businesses. So fans completely appreciate him. And you saw that outpouring of love when he was traded. Nobody was angry. Everybody wished him the best. And everybody basically said, we're still going to follow your career because we love you. So that's going to be a special moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. McCollum perhaps sheds a tear or two because leaving Portland was hard for him, no doubt, for he and his family. And so they've got a lot of good memories there. Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights has been our guest. Ali, before we let you run, we've been asking everybody this all day kind of as a, as a lighthearted, joking question. But if, uh, if you were in Chris Rock's shoes last night, would you, would you have stayed as calm as he did? Not a chance. <laughs> I mean, not a chance. Of course, I probably wouldn't have said anything bad about somebody's wife. But look, if somebody else hits me, you know, and especially on stage like that, you, you can't just keep, you know smile and pretend like it didn't happen, right? No, I, no, no doubt about it. I, I can't. I can't say that I would have stayed. I actually, I know for a fact I would not have stayed as calm <laughs> as, as he did. But uh, yeah, definitely. Do you think it was staged, or do you think it was real? I did at first, but now after reading, you know, a lot of, you know, following up on it on social media, it sounds like it was real. So that that's shocking to me. But, hey, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's an actor and a comedian, but the way it played out, you, you're just still not sure right in the back of your mind. But nobody has said it's been a hoax, so I guess we have to believe it's true. Right, right. Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights has been our guest. Ali, appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you down the line. Absolutely. Take care, Matt. Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights. We'll take a timeout. And when we come back here on the Jordy Holberg Show, it's Mondays with Madeline. Caleb Wise, Madeline Adams, joins us to talk a big weekend on the Cajuns Diamonds. Don't go anywhere. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 28, 1999, David Duvall wins the PGA Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass by two strokes over Scott Gump. Duvall's father, Bob, wins the Senior Tour's Emerald Coast Classic on the very same day. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here in the game's studio. The Cajuns had a massive weekend on both diamonds here in Lafayette. Softball taking all three from UT Arlington. And then baseball winning two out of three against South Alabama. One of them Friday night in extra innings. We'll dive into all of that because it's Monday. We know somebody named Madeline, so why not make a segment out of it? 
Mondays are usually a real drag. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Thankfully for you, KLFY sports anchor Madeline Adams is here to cure those Monday blues with the latest on the Raging Cajuns and Acadiana High School sports. It's time for Mondays with Madeline here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. KLFY sports anchor Madeline Adams. Madeline, it's been like two hours since I've seen you. How are you? Right. Long time no see. I'm doing good, Matt. How are you doing on this Monday? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The Cajuns won two out of three in baseball, took all three in softball. I mean, can't can't really be mad. So No, absolutely not. I mean, it, it was a great weekend uh, for the Diamond Sports. And I think, you know, it's a weekend both teams needed, obviously, when you look at UL baseball, uh, you know, them getting swept by Troy and then losing the midweek game for them to come out and beat, you know, one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. And then, obviously, UL softball has been wanting that, that league play sweep, uh, and they finally got that this weekend. So a great weekend for both squads. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with baseball Friday night, winning the 5-4 game in extras you know, it started off a little rocky. It was 1-1 after 1. The Cajuns managed to get a run in the second and third to make it 3-1, but South Alabama was quick to answer with two of their own in the fourth, and then it stayed scoreless until the 11th. Bo Bonds coming in in relief, fanning 14 batters in five and two-thirds. How important was it for Matt Deggs to get a performance like that from a bullpen pitcher? Yeah, it was crucial, you know, and you just can't say enough about Bo Bonds and his performance. The 14 strikeouts, I mean, I knew he was he, he was getting up there uh, to the point where I was like, man, what's the single game record for most strikeouts? Because I feel like Bo Bonds is, is getting close to it, and he was. I think the, the record is 18. He had 14. So, uh, you know, he, he was very close to that record. But it's important, you know, because on, especially in that Friday night game, uh, to get good pitching, to get the good hitting that they got in that game, too, is crucial to start the series off on the right foot, especially, like I mentioned earlier, after having the week that they had. So having you know, the ability to bring Bobons in, have the performance that he had, to pretty much you know, uh, just kind of carry them through that game for the most part, it was crucial. And, and you know, I think Bobons has had several outings like that, which has really been impressive. Uh, and if they can continue to get that level of performance from him, it can only benefit the Cajuns in the long run. Cajuns were 2-for-18 with runners in scoring position Friday night, including four scenarios where there was a runner on third with less than two outs, and the Cajuns failed to get that runner home every time. So looking at the 11th inning, Cameron Tissue hits that long ball for South Alabama to give them the 4-3 lead. How impressive was it especially for Max Marshock making his return for the first time in 15 games to be able to answer with that single and then advance to second and then for Kyle DeBarge the true freshman to to step up and walk it off yeah well I think just in that game and what we saw really all weekend was the way the Cajuns responded uh you know it was timely hit uh, obviously in the 11th inning there you know I know Maybe some Cajun fans when when uh, South Alabama hit that home run and they were kind of like ah you know they maybe maybe left the ballpark so I posted the highlights on Twitter uh, but yeah I mean it, it was crucial you know when you're in the 11th inning you know getting those timely hits especially from a guy like you mentioned Max Marshock who's missed a few games uh, you know and, and was in his first game back that is just really important 
And, look, the first game always carries momentum into the rest of the weekend, it seems like. And so just getting, you know, knowing they could beat a team like like South Alabama, uh, obviously they dropped game two, but finishing out the weekend game three, uh, I just think was really crucial. And for them to, you know, they kind of responded all weekend. Even if South Alabama would take the lead, you know, they'd respond. Uh, and that's what we saw on Sunday as well. And so just really impressed with the way that this team was able to respond not only in games, but just the games that they had lost the week before. Just really impressive for them to, you know, have that mentality of, you know, hey, we're going to finish this thing out. And that's just what they did in the rubber match on Sunday. Caleb Wise, Madeline Adams joining us for Mondays with Madeline. UT Arlington came to town for softball this weekend, and the Cajuns were able to take all three, and all three of them in extra innings. 9-1 Friday in six, and then 10-0 both Saturday and Sunday in five. One thing that I definitely want to touch on in this series is the perfect game from Kendra Lamb on Saturday. You know, Kendra has been one of those pitchers where her, her year's kind of been up and down, inconsistent, going on a streak here, you know, hitting a slump here. How important was it for her to get that perfect game and, you know, instill some confidence in her as we go deep into con- in conference play? Yeah, well, I think you said it. You know, it, it gave her more confidence because, you know, obviously with this tough schedule that this team's had, she has had a couple of rough outings. Um, but you, you just know the level and the potential that Kendra Lamb brings to this team, right? You know, so much to the fact that I didn't even think it was her first career, like collegiate career perfect game. I thought for sure, you know, she had gotten that before, maybe last year, or, you know, whatever. But, you know, that was her first career collegiate perfect game. Uh, and, you know, just what it does for confidence to have this, that kind of performance, um, you know, kind of this early in Sunbelt play, especially right before, um, you know, this team kind of gets into the swing of things and, you know, obviously the, the rest of the season, to the postseason, uh, you know, that's really important because that's your ace. That's your ace, uh, and, and you like to see that level of performance from her um, and, you know, just can't say enough about what she brings to this team. When she's on fire, she's on fire, and that's what you can get out of Kendra Lamb. Cajun softball will spend the next 11 days on the road. Uh, they'll go to Texas. And then they'll go to Texas on Wednesday, and then they'll go to San Marcos to play Texas State for the weekend before going to Lake Charles next week to play McNeese. Coach Jerry Glasgow said today that those four games this week, anything less than 3-1 and one would, would be a, a disappointment. Do you agree with him? Yeah, you know, listen, I think I think they could win all four. I, I really do. I know Texas State's a great team. Uh, you know, I know he, he thinks very highly of them. But this team, I think what we've seen from them offensively, defensively, um, in the circle, I think this team is hitting their stride. And, and look, UTA was a good team. You know, they had a top 10, week, uh, top 10 win over, I want to say, was it Oklahoma State? Uh, you know, and so they had – they were a talented team that came to Lamson Park this weekend. So, I, you know, I want – make sure that that's understood that everybody knows, you know, you sweeping UTA was really, really impressive for this team. So for them to hit their stride right before the rematch against Texas, right before going to Texas State, uh, is really important for this team. I think, you know, you learn a lot. Obviously that Texas game was close. You learn a little bit uh, since that game. You know, I think head coach Jerry Glasgow said they've matured a little bit mentally since that first matchup with Texas. Uh, so, you know, I really think they have all the potential to beat Texas, and I think if they perform the way that they performed this weekend, 
they can sweep Texas State and come out of it 4-0. Madeline Adams from KLFY joins us. Madeline, going back to baseball, they've got the dreaded five-game week. Uh, They play Southeastern on Tuesday. Wednesday, they go to New Orleans to make up the game from a couple weeks ago with UNO before coming back to the Teague to host Georgia Southern, who's currently sitting top 20 in the RPI nationally. Uh, How important or how crucial, should I say, is this five-game week to keep the momentum rolling for Matt Dex's squad? Yeah, I think momentum and confidence is everything. Uh, And, you know, obviously a lot of momentum coming off of this weekend with South Alabama, but like head coach Matt Deggs told us this morning, you know, it's, that's the standard. Like, you know, obviously there's a fine line between, you know, being satisfied with winning a series, but also just expecting that every weekend and and expecting that consistently. So there is a lot of momentum coming off that, that South Alabama series win, uh, but you want to keep that going, obviously. And, and look, the two in, midweek in-state games, you know, you can't overlook those, and he's not. You know, he told me today he's focused on those before even looking at Georgia Southern. Uh, and so, you know, but yeah, I mean, this is this kind of – it almost has like a, you know, Sunbelt tournament feel where you're playing this many games in a week. Um, and it's important to, to knock out the two in-state games, you know, which those are obviously very winnable games, um, you know, for the Raging Cajuns. And then to go and, and play Georgia Southern, who ended their season last year in the Sun Belt Tournament, um, you know, in an emotional game. But those are all very important games to keep this momentum going that they've gained, to keep those standards, uh, you know, and to meet those standards that they have that are, you know, obviously have always been high for this program. You know, this five-game week, it's going to be a grind, uh, but, you know, you just take it one game at a time for this team, and I, and I think they know that, obviously, but if they can keep this momentum going, they'll be in a good spot headed into, headed into the rest of the season here. Madeline Adams of KLFY has been our guest for Mondays with Madeline. Madeline, I appreciate you taking the time. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. Have a great week. Tune in next week to Jordy Holtberg for Mondays with Madeline here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll talk some more LSU, we'll talk some Saints, and we'll get you out of here. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, this is The Jordy Holtberg Show. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. You know, that that commercial just now said that Jordy's got the best guest, the best nickname, you know, all that stuff. And it's true, but he's also got the best guest hosts. I mean, come on, Raymond Parsh the third and myself? Please. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's talk some LSU baseball now, getting the series win over a top 10 team. To talk about it is Blake Graffino of the Are You Serious Sports podcast. Blake, I know you were expecting Jordy, but how are you, mommy? (laughs) 
Hey, we're calling the audible at the line of scrimmage. Spider two wide banana. So we're we're good, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. So let's look at the let's look at the weekend as a whole. Got off to a rocky start Friday, losing seven two to Florida, but you respond outscoring the Gators twenty seven to six between Saturday and Sunday. What did you see out of the series this weekend in Gainesville? Yeah, I just like how Jay adjusted. I mean, putting Kate at short, you know, it's uh, it's funny what happens when you don't commit silly errors and you're able to get out of an inning, you know, and, and you're not having to press at the plate to play from behind. You're playing in, in, from in front. Uh, it, you put pressure on the, on the other team. So I like the small small adjustments. You know, Kate Doty, when you look in the deep analytics, the, the amount of pitches that he takes and the swings that he's actually getting off, are, are balls that are inside the strike zone. So, Jay just mixing up some, some things on that opening day or, or the second day of uh, the series against Florida, I really enjoyed. And I thought it cleaned up a lot of things in the field. I mean, look, the, the only error you have is late in, in, when you're having a 10-run lead against Florida. Um, so, they played a lot more clean on the field. And, and look, you got to give it to the pitching staff. Doesn't coming in on Sunday. Mikhail Hillier, before he you know, started giving us some hits and some runs, Give you five solid innings, so I thought the pitching staff stepped up when they needed to as well. Looking at LSU's hitting statistics, I mean, this is absolutely unreal. You have seven guys that have played in over 75% of the games, five of them full-time starters, hitting over or over 280. Uh, five, well, you, six you know, of those guys hitting over 300. A little bit even further than that. I mean, where's the break really in the lineup when it comes to a power perspective? I mean, are you going to talk about DiGiacomo? Well, DiGiacomo already has three home runs on the season. DiGiacomo, look, if you're not careful and you leave something out over the plate, he's going to he's going to rock it as well. If you want to go in the eight hole, I mean, what about Joe Bear? And then you got Travinsky at nine in Sunday's lineup. And look, McManus also has a little bit of power too, so you don't have a lot of a of a break there and you know like moving Kate into that into the one slot I mean who are you going to attack are you going to attack Kate Doty you're going to attack Trey Morgan you you're going to take a Cruz or Barry I mean that might be the best one through four from a hitting perspective that you got all in college baseball not just in the SEC um so that that the lineup is dangerous if if they're pitching and they're fielding is on par you'll continue to see what you see on on Saturday and Sunday but look I, I liked what they did. I, I thought they continued. And, and look, you sometimes you need some of these rivalry games, right? There was a lot of chirping that's going on. You know, uh, Mag, uh, McManus got into it Saturday, and then it just kind of trickled over into Sunday. And so you like that chippiness, and the guys responded very well from it. You know, looking at Dylan Cruz's numbers, he's he's hitting three sixty four. 36 base hits, three doubles, four triples, six homers, 28 RBIs. But the one that sticks out to me is that he struck out 23 times so far this year. How does mm-hmm. how does Jay Johnson get that number down for the for the superstar? Well, I think you you you've well, at least when you've heard from Jay and what he talks to Dylan about is just not trying to do too much. Like you don't have to hit a home run every every at bat. I mean, just take the ball back up the middle, as the old saying goes. You know, see ball, hit ball. Bring it back to where it came from. So, I mean, you got to, if you're, I mean, what do you really tell Dylan to? I mean, like you said, he's hitting 364. I mean, but you can always get better. I mean, I thought there's a strikeout in his last at bat. The two seam inside, right at the knees, is a tough pitch. Um, kind of got fooled on a little bit. 
Uh, I would say just kind of maybe let him work himself out of it. Just tell him not to do too much. I mean, if that's what I would tell him. But, you know, let's see what Jay does. But I think that, you know, trying to take the ball the other way. I mean, Friday night you saw him trying to press at the play a little too much, and you saw the strikeout. So, he and look, here's another thing. Being, being even more, a little bit more aggressive than what he is at the play. I, I would have to look more into it. But it always seems like he may be – I don't know. I, I, it just feels this way. He's always in a one-two, zero-and-two oh count. Maybe attacking uh, the pitchers a little bit earlier in the count and seeing if he gets a better pitch. Um, but that, I mean, other than that, that would be really all I, I, I could see at this point. Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious Sports Podcast joins us. Blake, looking ahead, the Tigers have ULM coming to the box tomorrow before hosting a three-game series with Auburn Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then next Tuesday they've got Grambling coming in. Uh, you know, ULM, I'm a, I'm a Cajuns guy, so I, I can tell you from experience, ULM's not a bad ball club. And then Auburn, you know, the SEC is just a, a gauntlet in terms of college baseball. Can they build off of the momentum that they've gotten from this weekend and, and keep the wins piling up? You would hope so. You know, you would hope so. I mean, you know, as the old saying goes, if it starts heating up a little bit more outside, so should your bats. So I hope that they can keep the momentum going. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like one of those things you would really like for the game, obviously, to be earlier rather than later. You know, you'd rather a Tuesday game instead of a Wednesday game. Look, you take the day off. You, some, you know, you get in practice maybe a little bit light, and then you go in on Tuesday. So hopefully to keep that momentum going, um, I think that they will. I think that they've shown that they've had this potential. And, look, let's not act like Florida didn't have a really good pitching staff. I mean, coming into the weekend, their staff was, you know, had really good numbers. I mean, they still got a lot of good guys on that side. Uh, but let's see what, what happens against ULM. Let's see what happens this upcoming weekend. But I think that they can stay hot because they've shown the potential. Blake Rafino has been our guest. Blake, one more question for you. And it's a uh, it's a basketball question. You've had a couple of guys transfer out of the program: Xavier Pinson, Brandon Murray, and then Tari Eason declared for the draft. Are you worried at all about those two guards? You know, transferring out. Do you think Matt McMahon can can get them back in the program? Um, I wouldn't say worried. I would say cautious because I think it's always depends on who you're able to bring in. Um, you know, look for me. It, it, it just comes to a point where, you know, you're, you know, you're at the beginning of a lot of this. And Memphis just getting hit with the level one violations this weekend. I mean, this is going to continue to go on. I mean, you got Kansas that they're still talking about with the allegations and what they're going to be getting additional from what Bill Self and Kansas got additional, you know, in the in the past. Um, look, let's just see. I'm not worried about it. Maybe not so much. Let's see what McManus can do. Um, I'm McManus. McMahon could do. Um, but, I, I mean, look, it's going to be tough and uphill battle for him to climb. But I, I'm more worried. The only thing that, from a basketball perspective, I'm the most worried about is obviously the sanctions. And, and look, if it's not as bad as, as maybe we intended, maybe those guys do come back. Um, but, you, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But you do have Justice Hill that's out there um, in reference to maybe he, he follows McMahon. Um, so it just really depends. And, and with guard, and especially with how 
he's done in the past at that position. And guys like John Morant coming through the program, I, I think he'll he'll be okay there since that's been a staple of his entire career. Blake Rafino of the Are You Serious Sports podcast has been our guest. Blake, before I let you run, we've asked every guest this today as kind of a, a lighthearted, joking question. Uh, if you were in Chris Rock's shoes last night, would you have remained as calm as he did? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, they say uh, these hands are free of charge when you get in my bubble. So um, I, I, I kind of thought it, you know, it was a little bit of a stage, and then you start seeing everything else. I mean, it was it was pretty wild. But, you know, look, with down ratings, you got something like that pops off. You, you get a lot of eyeballs on it. So uh, good for Chris Rock, but – you got to be careful when you talk about another man's life. Yeah, absolutely. Blake Rafino, appreciate you taking the time, my man. Have a good week, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Go Tigers. Blake Rafino of the Are You Serious Sports podcast. Joining us here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. I never thought that I would get to sit here and and fill in for the Blonde Bomber. It's It's truly an honor of mine. It really is. We'll take one last time out, and when we come back, we'll talk some Saints, a little bit of NBA news as well, and then we'll get you set up for crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holberg Show right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez and the producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. James, I'm going to need you to, to, to get that mic in front of your face. Let's, and I know people are probably tired of, of, of hearing it, but I, I got to get your take on it. What the hell happened at the Oscars last night? I personally think that thing was staged. Personally to me, because when you watch it, it doesn't look like a natural like interaction when you slap somebody because they said it was a punch. And when you look at it, it definitely wasn't a punch. No. His, his hand was very much open. And the way Will kind of slapped him and the way Chris reacted... I don't know. It just looked like a weird motion of how everything happened. So that, to me, not to mention when it came down to it, how often do you hear about the Oscars? Yeah, The, the ratings have been low been for quite for a while. So yeah. it it's not... I'm not surprised that they would try to do something like that to get the attention back on the event. And... Who wouldn't want to talk about something where two legendary actors and comedians right. have this type of interaction with each other? Like people are going to talk about this for a while, and it's definitely going to be in meme culture for a while. It's, I feel like this that 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 meme that's going to be how it is with the Drake Hotline Bling. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to last. Oh yeah, because people speak, still use the Drake Hotline Bling meme. I'm, I'm glad you brought up memes because I'm looking at one right here. And Jada's got this little smirk on her face, and it says, "I ain't taking that." And on the side of it, it's, it's Will Smith's face, and it's like, "Babe, come on, it's a joke." And then her face gets serious. Handle it, Will. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, babe, you know I'm not." And she goes, "William, William, <laughs> yeah, yes, ma'am." You said it in our group chat. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh man, you do what the wife 
tells you to do. I have learned that at a very young age. I'm not even married yet. I don't get married for another six months. And I have learned that you do what she wants you to do. Happy wife, happy life. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, dear. Two best words a man could ever learn. Let's get you set up for crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. You get to hear us for two more hours after we get off of here. Uh, at 4.30, Wilson Alexander will join us to talk some more LSU baseball and LSU basketball. And we'll take your phone calls. 706-0111 on the game hotline. You can catch the simulcast here in Acadiana on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We'll also have a Twitter poll question for you. Uh, James and I are going to talk in this commercial break about what it's going to be. And we will get to that. Saints news rather quickly. Saints re-signed Traquan Smith, two years, $6 million deal. I know RP3 touched on it in the last hour, but this was not a smart move. I don't personally care for it. He's always underperformed. Has he been in the situation he kind of needs to be? No. But if you really want to stand out and really want to earn your next contract and not have to have to have such a low two-year deal where it's kind of it's pretty much a prove it and we're just signing you on cheap because we can't get anybody else at the moment we need to fill out the roster it's it's just not something that i would want i still would rather get somebody that's more legitimate go because i'm not i wasn't asking i'm not asking for julio i'm not asking for any of the big big names i don't want i don't necessarily want emmanuel at this point because emmanuel's 35 I want somebody like Sammy Watkins, who's the same age pretty much as Mike Thomas, because I believe he's 28 and Mike's 27, 28. Let me let me check real quick. Yeah, and and you know my thing yeah, is he's, he's 28. Right, he, he, he turns 29 on June 14th, so he'd be 29 going into the year. Yeah, so he's and he's still a good receiver. It's just Mahomes always liked throwing to Tyreek and Travis more and when it came to being on the Ravens roster he's obviously Lamar definitely has a connection with Mark Andrews and Brown and Marquise Hollywood Brown so Sammy was never really able to be that guy and I think and he still put up decent enough stats when he was with those two teams and when he was originally drafted with Buffalo I mean they're they're about what you would expect with Traquan since they're around the same numbers. Now that I'm looking at it, 2020 Chiefs, he had 421 and two touchdowns. And then with the Ravens, he had 394 and one touchdown last year. It's not it's not the best, but you could sign him on the cheap. You see, what, what bothers me is, yes, $3 million a year is a cheap deal for a wide receiver. But with only $17 million to spend... Why not take that $3 million and tack on another $5 million and go get a guy like Sammy Watkins. Because you can still do that. You can still do that right now. But that's what, But now with re-signing Traquan, and then if you go get a guy like Sammy Watkins, you're $3 million shorter. shorter. And, I mean, Traquan Smith's been in the league for, what, four years now? And Yeah, this, has, this will be his fifth. He has widely underperformed. Underperformed. I, the, but the way I see it is, if you get, you'll have Mike, you'll have Sammy, you'll have Traquan, Deontay, Quez, 
and then the other receivers, it, it's going to create a lot of competition to be like, hey, we're we're stepping our we're stepping our you know what up. Yeah. Like we we're looking for the five six best receivers, the best playmakers on this team that can catch the ball. Prove to me why it needs to be you. Because if you don't add a Sammy, and you only have a Traquan. You pretty much have solidified your lineup already with Thomas Smith, Hardy, Callaway, and I'm I'm for, I'm blanking on the last one. Little Jordan Humphrey. Well, little Jordan always been a a uh, bench guy or on the on the practice squad. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember who the other receiver is. Let me go. L- let me go look at my roster. Currently on the roster, it's Thomas Smith, Callaway, and Hardy. And not, but and with the practice squad, it's also Kevin White, Aesop Winston, Kwan Baker, and Jalen McCleskey. And they need to sign Kirk Merritt. I don't know. I I don't. I'm off. I forget who that is. Arkansas State receiver. He's he's on, uh, he's on the Saints practice squad right now. There you go. If, but getting him, it would it would force like, hey, someone's probably gonna have to drop because generally the fifth wide receiver is more of a special teams kind of guy that. Doesn't do that can return, but mainly is only on special teams. Yeah. As we wrap up, if today is your birthday on March 28th, happy birthday. Reba McIntyre turns 67. Vince Vaughn turns 52. Lady Gaga turns 36. And Anheuser Busch Jr. was born on March 28th. Happy 328 day. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh is next here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Have a great day, everybody.